This is CrewCast, a podcast about the most infamous band in rock history, Motley Crew. Your resident crew head here with you, Jason. And of course, thank you for listening to the podcast or now available on YouTube as well if you haven't checked it out. And uh, one of those episodes you can check out with uh, my co-host today, David Lucarelli. Of course, we did the uh, episode on Crude, your uh, awesome play that uh, I enjoyed and my girlfriend did too. We thought it was a really cool take. Oh, thank you so much, man. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah, the play, uh, we just finished up our second encore run, and it was sold out, and we're working on the video on-demand version right now. So I'll uh, I'll probably uh, say hi to you and come back on when that's ready to go as well. Right on. Sounds good. Uh, let's talk some Motley Crue comics. That's our topic for today. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's interesting, right? I, I, I kind of put Motley Crue in the same category as a band like Kiss, where at least at one point when these guys came out, they were sort of, you know, larger than life superhero comic book characters come to life, you know, especially around the Shout of the Devil era. Right. And, uh, you know, if you look at the video of Too Young to Fall in Love, you know, where they're sort of playing these heroes that are trying to rescue this girl who's been kidnapped and sold into a life of drugs and prostitution by this gang and then in the end she ends up joining the gang anyhow and betrays them um you know it's a it's a little bit uh a little bit you know motley crew as as heroes or superheroes and whatnot and uh they just put out a new comic book um called the dirt declassified um which is from Z2 Comics, and it also sort of plays upon that um, in, a, in a little bit of a, a kind of different way. It, it's not so much that they're that they're superheroes; it's that they are secretly undercover agents that are working right. for the government and and saving the world. So <laughs> you know, it, it, in a way, it's kind of like um, what was that book and movie that the, the host of the Gong Show did? Oh. You know what I'm talking about, though. I do. Where where he claimed that he was uh, an undercover assassin for the CIA, <laughs> right. uh, and you know, take that with a grain of salt. But at, at the end of the day, yeah, he would probably be the last person you would ever suspect. So who knows? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I first saw the premise for it, I was like thinking of uh, you know Elvis, who who at, was close knit with the government through in his career. I mean, you know, it, but it's the irony too of Motley Crue, all these guys that broke all these rules and laws, like you said, the last people you'd suspect being any sort of, uh, you know, secret agent of any kind whatsoever. Yeah, and I was talking to the guys at C2 Comics before it came out, and they were saying like, well, you know, there actually is a little bit of truth to that, and we didn't get into the specific details, but I think one of the things that they were probably referring to is the whole uh, rock and Russia Moscow concert, you know, against drugs and whatnot, right. um, came right at the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union. And it was during a time when the CIA was um, 
very much interested in pushing the propaganda of, of the West, you know, uh, to the Russian youth and, and yeah. saying, hey, kids, you know, uh, check out Western democracy and capitalism. We have bubble gum and we have blue jeans and we have rock and roll, uh, you know. And, <laughs> uh, and so Motley Crue was certainly a part of that. And I've even read some articles that say that uh, that Scorpion song, Winds of Change, uh, not to get all tinfoil hat on you, but, you know, got a little bit of assistance from, uh, you know, the U.S. government in terms of uh, use as a propaganda tool. And, you know, it wouldn't be the first time our government has has kind of manipulated popular culture to their own ends or, or culture in general. I know in the 1960s, um, the CIA funded abstract art uh, you know, and, and help the rise of abstract art. The idea being that if the art that was becoming popular was abstract, then it couldn't be, say, pro-communist, right? <laughs> right. So, so, you know, um, there, there, there is a little bit of that. Um, the comic book itself is written by Leah Moore, uh, who is, uh, you know, well-known, respected comic book writer. Um, she's been writing comics for about 20 years and i have to say uh she if she was listening to this she would probably hate this but she is the daughter of alan moore who is widely considered the greatest comic book writer ever you know uh and and so you know it's kind of like like if your father was Laurence Olivier and you go into acting, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> to a certain extent, she probably doesn't get mentioned without without that caveat. But she is a good writer, uh, you know, in, in her own right. Um, and so, yeah, I was I was excited to to check this book out. Um, I was actually talking to the guys at Z2 Comics about uh, maybe doing some cross-promotional stuff with Crude. Wow. They ultimately weren't interested. They thought, oh, well, you know, what if that goes south of the band because it's not unauthorized? Kind of prescient of them in retrospect. But anyhow, uh, <laughs> so, I, so I got the book and, you know, I give it an A-plus for the concept because, you know, it could have just been a straight autobiographical type sure. thing which has been done before um rock and roll comics you know back in the day i think did some motley crew bio books um but uh there's there's some clever stuff you know um one of the things that's historically true is i think the cia actually did blast heavy metal it wasn't motley crew i want to say it was like megadeth and twisted sister um to try to get manuel noriega or some other south american you know dictator like out of the, this you know place where they were hiding they you know they used that as kind of like a psyops thing where they were just blasting the music and trying to drive them crazy <laughs> so so there's a scene in the comic where they they do a similar thing except it's motley crew playing live <laughs> you know um so that's that's kind of fun there's another clever moment where um where they sort of insinuate that maybe Mick Mars had the initial idea that ended up with the government creating the internet, which is <laughs> kind of funny, right? Um, uh, yeah. Oh, I pulled it up here. So it's uh, uh, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses, Wanted Dead or Alive, and The Inn by The Doors. Oh, those were the songs? Okay, great. Yeah. Great, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh. so, so the actual execution of the book... Um, you know, it, it's 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 not 
everything that it could be. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say that because, you know, there's, there's three or four artists that, that do the book. Mm. Um, and they kind of, they kind of break it up by present day and the past flashbacks. Um, you know, one of the problems with, with doing comics where you're illustrating actual living people is that generally speaking, comic book art isn't photorealistic. So you're, you're kind of more or less trying to capture the essence right. of them. And there's the danger of it looking like a caricature, yeah. you know. Uh, and then when you have that, on top of that, you have like three or four different artists that each have their own styles. It's a little jarring. You know, I was just watching House of the Dragon and they do a flash forward of 10 years where suddenly multiple members of the cast, but not all the cast are played by different actors. And <laughs> it, it's kind of like that, you know, right. like I do kind of wish that, that they had used one consistent artist through the book. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of sloppiness in terms of, I, there's like one page where, um, how, how to put this, I, I should mention too, I'm a comic book writer. I've been writing comics for about 10 plus years you know yeah that's why we're doing this episode yeah. you just kind of threw it out there you know it's like hey we need another topic well i'm a comic book writer okay let's break down the dirt declassified comic exactly exactly so 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 this one um you know basically if you're if you've never read comics before you you're going to be wanting to read them uh left to right top to bottom if it's an american comic and you know that's generally like where your eyes go and stuff and there's just you know there's some sloppy word balloon placement where mm. like if an editor had had really taken the time to go over it with a fine-tooth comb they could have fixed that and made it a little bit uh read a little better more easy easy to digest um so I have a couple complaints like that, but overall, it's a really fun book. I, I would say, you know, if you're a Motley Crue fan and you like comics, it's definitely worth your time to check it out. Um, and then I, I thought I'd mention too, there's another comic that, that came out. I have a copy of it here. As you can see, it's kind of like record album size. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. yeah, the heroin diaries. The heroin diaries, and this yeah. was actually put out by Heavy Metal Studios that do the magazine and whatnot. And it's a pretty straight adapt adaption of uh, Nikki's book, and it's cool. I I really enjoyed it. Um, the one thing I'll say is I I hope that this is like a beta copy that was given out to readers and stuff because I ordered it used on Amazon. And the one thing is there are a ton of spelling errors in this book. So <laughs> I'm I'm hoping it's not the final final <laughs> version, but uh, but definitely check that out if you're a fan of Nikki Six and the Heroin Diaries. It's it's certainly worth your time. Oh, you're such a writer because I'm dyslexic. I would totally screw up any of the grammar. It would just go over my head altogether. Well, uh, I'm not even the world's greatest speller myself, so I'm I'm sure that there are ones that I missed. So if I catch it and like multiple errors, then then it's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's rock and roll, right? Hey, that is rock and roll. That is rock uh, and roll. Yeah. I'm gonna hit the screen share on this real quick because I wanna um I wanna take a look at some of this stuff together. Yeah that I thought was pretty darn cool. Um, you know, we're just looking at the, the, the cover right now. Uh, the dirt declassified pretty cool. How they put the dirt in uh, the neon lights there and everything else. And 
you know, the cool, you know, Motley crew, they're in a suit, which I, I found this a little ironic because Vince Neil has like the paper thin tie, which yeah. of course Mick Mars talking in, um, uh, uh, God, the, the first, uh, Motley crew, uh, uncensored where uh-huh. he's talking about the, the thin ties and fuck that. We're not going to do that shit. So I thought it was kind of a little bit ironic when I saw that. I'm like, huh, thin tie. And I'm Motley crew. Not, yeah. not really Motley Crue, but I get they're trying to put them in like a black suit, kind of, you know, the 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 secret agent guys, you know, Vince and, and Mick got the glasses on and, you know, the cool look. But uh, I yeah, I know, what, really I know what cool you're saying. Start. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, because that reminds me of the fact that uh, the, the one singer, the O'Doul or whatever that they had before they got Vince, one of their problems with him was that they didn't like the fact that he was always wearing these white gloves. Right. And then Vince actually started wearing white gloves on Theater of Pain. So things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> it's, I think they were just looking for anything to go, yeah, this ain't the, the freaking guy. That may be it, yeah. Uh, uh, this is another thing that I thought was pretty cool that they did in the book. They did like these... Um, I remember the character cards from from uh, G.I. Joe. I was a huge G.I. Joe kid. Right. So I thought this was pretty cool. They put these character cards in there, you know, uh, that it shows not only a pretty cool artwork and like you were saying, something really trying to capture the time. This was a uh, very shout at the devil looking Vince Neil one. And I'll, I'll put the link in the description so people can go and check this out from Z2 yeah. Comics official page. But I really kind of dug this, how they, you know, the character card named uh, Vince Neil Wharton. They used his full name, alias Vince Neil, his birth, location, um, you know, operative cover, rock vocalist, all this different stuff. And his, his skills, this was the, the interesting one. Emergency medical, his first training and skills that were up there. So it's really interesting, like you were saying, how they were trying to play on, uh, you know, a different character, giving it that duality to them uh, that, that, you know, that to step into the fictitious story that they were going to tell with the comic. Yeah, there's some nice detail there. I like the uh, Gazaris sign in the background. Gazaris, oh, of course, yeah. being the uh, the club that uh, was was there at the time that Motley Crue was coming up, but is is no longer um, in existence. And uh, yeah, you wonder if they if they if they pulled the emergency me- medical idea from the fact they're like, well, you know, David Lee Roth was an influence, and he actually worked as an EMT, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I wouldn't have thought of that one. And I didn't catch the Gazari sign before, you know, the things that stood out to me in this, this image was really like the phone tap on the, on the uh, pay phone. Right. <laughs> so I'm not sure if there's the younger uh, listeners and viewers that are like uh pay phone. What the hell is that? Right. <laughs> but uh, so let's jump to the Nikki sixes one, of course, playing, you know, given his full name, Frank Carlton, Serafino Ferrano Jr., and uh, the training and skills, strong critical thinking and communication skills. And I thought that was really interesting to start. I don't know if you caught the uh, last podcast I released, a, a fellow a friend of mine who's also in recovery. His addiction was heroin. So mm-hmm. we broke down dancing on glass from an, uh, an addict's perspective. Oh, interesting. Really did that. So I thought it was interesting they included that because Nikki had such a way of writing heavy lyrics, but the songs had a pop appeal. So oh, yeah, that was pretty interesting that they threw that in kind of the start of his first skill sets were, you know, critical thinking, communication skills, uh, logical thinking skills, um, code breaking. 
that they put in there as well, which a really cool play because a lot, some of his songs, you kind of have to decipher the lyrics to really know, wow, that song is heavy as hell. Yeah. You know, the guys at Z2 Comics, um, they really are big rock fans and they don't do a book unless they are fans of the band, you know, and they make sure that the people that are working on it know, you know, what they're, what they're doing and know about the band. And uh, so they've done like rush books and they're, they're coming out with uh, one about D Schneider that focuses on uh, the PMRC hearings that he was a part of. And so, you know, yeah, they, these guys, you know, they, they have a great uh, attention to detail when it, when it comes to uh, the content and the knowledge of the bands that they put the books out about. Yeah, it's really clear. Uh, another cool nod, obviously, right, David? Uh, Nikki Six having two knives in this. He speaks openly about, since he was a kid, his love and fascination with knives. So I just thought, you know, the artist, whoever it was, really did some, you know, they did that deep critical thinking, like you said, they didn't, they wouldn't do it a band if they weren't a fan. So, yeah. Um, uh, cool cover. I, what is your cover? Is it the the kind of uh, uh, paper wrapping like this one here? Or? No, so mine kind of just looks like this. It's just okay. the, yeah. Um, so it's the that, art we talked the, about. Yeah, they put out um, several different tiered editions you know so like for for x amount more you get the you know extra um prizes and whatnot but this this is i just got the book itself okay yeah we'll break those down as well uh here in a bit because yeah that starts with the basic to the holy shit tastic version it's like okay i mean that's the the deep fandom with some deep pockets uh so yeah tommy lee's pretty cool too his uh his trading skills uh specialty construction field devices i it made me immediately think about the uh pam and tommy lee show which i was not really a big fan of i don't know about you but the the construction going on at the house uh honeypot operations uh i mean you know they played this up pretty good sleight of hand and can uh uh concealment uh precious and held weapons explosives code breaking uh it goes on and on and i also found the explosives kind of ironic being that you know tommy did get burned that one time on tour so oh yeah yeah and actually tommy did work in construction oh uh, when, when he was that. very young yeah i the only reason i i know that is because um I, I did an interview with the guy that was uh yeah hung out with them and and was were kind of friends for a time on on my podcast, Rock Album Analysts, and he mentioned uh, the fact that, that Tommy Lee was working construction when he met him, and it was right when he uh, auditioned for Motley Crue. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another little factoid that I did not know. Uh, and then I'll pull the last one, of course, uh, Mick Mars, which I this was actually my favorite art for any like these identification cards that they had. Um, you know, of course, his real name, Robert Allen Deal, and so on and so forth but uh uh covert operations mental agility master of disguise computer hacking location operations specialist in uh integration and concealed weapons which i thought was pretty clever because the artwork if people aren't looking 
you know, it's got Mick in front of his guitar case and he's got, you know, some sort of pistol that he's pulling out of the guitar case, which I, I love the Desperado movie. Robert Rodriguez, one of my favorite directors. And I thought it was really cool and clever. And, and I thought this was some of the coolest artwork of, of any of these four like identification cards that they created. Right. And again, the computer hacking thing, there's that great quote from Nikki from the 80s when he talks about how uh, while the rest of us are out on the streets looking for trouble, Mick is at home uh, on his computer plotting how to blow up the world. So- <laughs> Uh, I forgot about that quote. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And then the interesting kind of artwork here, you know, it's a, a Fender looking Strat guitar. And I don't remember Mick ever having a girls, girls, girls guitar. I'm pretty sure the ones that he did were Kramers, but you know, that's kind of a little nitpicky thing, I guess that yeah. I, I could rip apart. And of course the Marshall amps, which he always played through, but I thought that these were just really cool and clever. Um, are they included in the book? The, the version that you have? No, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's break down the, take a look at some of those, uh, different tiers, man. They, I mean, they created all kinds of different options. I know one of them had some 3d options and, mm-hmm. um, different stuff like that. But, um, you know, uh, the basic version, like you said, you got, and, um, I was going to consider getting one of the bigger tier options, but boy, yeah, that it just kind of priced me out of, of what it was because they have the standard edition hard cover cover. You got the soft cover, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, deluxe edition, oversized hard cover, uh, also includes the Operation Crew lockbox, uh, graphic novel slips. Uh, this was kind of cool. Motley Crew UV spy pin, allowing you to reveal secret messages on UV inserts. And then the exclusive Motley Crew dossier art prints. So I'm guessing those are the ones that we just broke down there. Um, along with the Platinum Edition, you know, you, it just keeps going and going and going and going. But uh, Yeah, they, it reminds me of the... Up. Reminds me of the little orphan Annie decoder ring from a Christmas story, you know? (laughs) Hey, David, drink your Ovaltine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those disappointments from from childhood. Uh, So you've read the full story. We obviously don't want to do too much of a spoiler alert. But um, did it take you in as as someone that, I mean, you're an art creator, you know, written plays, you write comics, uh, you do so many different things. Did how did it capture you? Um, you know, I think I think it's a great concept. I'd like to see them do more with it. I think um, part of the problem with the book is there's there's extensive scenes where it's sort of just concert scenes and they're and they're playing the songs and they and and you know they they're printing the lyrics that Vince is singing as he's singing them, which is cool. They can do that because it's authorized, but there's a number of those scenes in the book. And at a certain point, it sort of starts to feel a little bit like filler, like, you know, like maybe we didn't have quite enough content for the book and <laughs> we need to pad it out a little bit. Um, also, you know, the, the actual story, I don't want to give anything away, but, you know, I think one of the problems with the concept is you, you also have to sort of try to explain why the guys in Motley Crue would be uniquely suited to to be on these secret miss- missions saving the world. Um, and 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 so the adventure that ensues is kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Scooby-Doo-esque, you know, <laughs> you know, but there's there's never necessarily a, 
a, a solid reason why it would have to be them that mm -hmm. was was doing this. So again, like I said, I think concept wise, a plus execution wise, eh, maybe a B, you know, but but the idea that Motley Crue are, are secretly uh, heroes working for our government to save the world. I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> Thumbs up on that. It's, it really is a pretty wild concept. Again, to think of all the stuff that they've done in their lives, uh, that it's like, oh yeah, no wonder they got away with it. Government protection. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, does it is it a timepiece related one? Like, is it back eighties, nineties, or is it a set in like a modern time? Because you know, some of the artwork, like I said, shows Vince Neil on a payphone and so on. Yeah, so the, the main story is set um, in contemporary times, actually sort of ties in with um, the reunion tour, um, or at least, you know, the current reunion tour. And, and then there are flashbacks, like there's a flashback to some stuff in Japan, and there's a flashback to earlier days of the band and, and things like that. So a little bit of both. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Well, let's talk your work because it, it uh, fascinated me. You're like, oh, I write comics. Well, who do you write for? Are you independent work? What are, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a comic book company um, called Alterna Comics that I've uh, written a, a couple of miniseries for um, called Tinseltown and Tinseltown Losing the Light, which is um, a kind of a period crime drama about one of the first female police officers in Hollywood. Um, it was inspired, my mother in real life was a police officer. And so this book is kind of my tribute to her. And also there were some historical circumstances. Um, Universal Studios around 1915 during the silent era um, was kind of a progressive uh, environment. They had a female mayor, female police chief, female police officers. Uh, but they also weren't above marching them in short skirts and parades to appeal to more prurient interests. So I thought that was an interesting dichotomy. And uh, so Tinseltown is the story of Officer Abigail Moore, who uh, is the son or daughter of a fallen police officer. She wants to work for the LAPD. They have a few token officers, the female officers that they use to interview and interrogate um, female prostitutes and, and drug addicts and things like that. But they're all they're all full up. So she ends up uh, working for Universal, actually, um, Utopia Studios, and uh, and ends up uncovering some real crimes and and becoming a real police officer along the way. So um, Tinseltown and Tinseltown Losing the Light, you can get at alternacomics.com. And then the other book, a major book that I, I've been um, involved with is Children's Vampire Hunting Brigade. Huh. And that's a coming of age gothic adventure, kind of like a punk rock Buffy set in Scotland. Reason why it's set in Scotland, it was inspired by the real life Gorbals vampire incident. So 1950s Scotland, hundreds of school kids w went into the cemetery over several nights looking for a vampire they thought had killed a couple of local kids. Um, it was considered mass hysteria. And in our book, 
uh, some of the kids found what they're looking for. They formed the brigade. And then a half century later, there's a couple juvenile delinquents drinking in that graveyard on the night the vampires return. So that's a graphic novel trilogy, um, art by Henry Ponciano, who's also the Tinseltown artist. And that was put out um, both my, by my imprint, Abacab uh, Studios and Creator's Edge. Um, but if you wanted to get autographed copies of uh, The Brigade in Tinseltown, you could um, go to my Etsy store, which is Abacab Studios at, at Etsy. So we'll make sure go. to send me those. I'll put those in the, the podcast link. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'll have to check it out, man. I dig it that, you, you know, it's the cool things about getting to know people just through the Motley fandom doing all kinds of cool stuff. David, thanks, man. Always pleasure. a pleasure and, and your insight. You're such an intelligent, well-read guy, and it's uh, always a blast. I pick up new stuff every time we talk. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. I will talk to you soon. All right, and thank you, crew heads, for listening to the podcast or watching now available on YouTube. Uh, just uh, don't forget to follow us on social media, Crewcast on Spot or uh, Crewcast on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh, until next time, crew heads are best. Fuck the rest. <laughs> <laughs>